0: Religion has profoundly influenced the sweeping American narrative, from the times of the indigenous peoples to the present. The startup Digital First National Museum of American Religion is the nationally recognized center for presenting, interpreting, and educating the public about what religion has done to Americans and what Americans have done to religion. It invites all to explore the role of religion and the freedom that fuels it in shaping the social, political, economic, and cultural lives of Americans, and thus, America itself. Listen to our new program, The Making of Us, Lived Religion in America, by joining Chris Stevenson, host of the podcast series, Religion in the American Experience, and hear personal stories about religion's influence on the lives of the nation's citizens. It is through hearing these stories that we can better comprehend ourselves, our communities, and the nation, and see more clearly how the American Project can endure. Episodes will be released every Monday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Register for notifications on our website, www.storyofamericanreligion.org, under the sign-up tab.
1: Today is April 1st, 2021, and we have with us as a guest David Black, who lives in McLean, Virginia, and we're going to go ahead and just get started David thank you for being with us
2: sure thing and it's Great Falls Virginia
1: great Great Falls Virginia thank you for the correction please tell us a little bit about yourself and, and leave out any religious stuff we'll get to that later just give us a quick bio of who you are
2: sure well uh, I'm 52 almost 52 years old I turned 52 in May um, next month I was uh, grew up in Northern Virginia in Oakton I went to Oakton High School went to the University of Virginia undergrad I Went to Georgetown um, uh, law, law Center for my law degree. Uh, spent a couple of years in in New Hampshire and New England, uh, second, third, and fourth grade. But other than that, was always in the the D.C. area. Um, grew up a big uh, hockey fan. Uh, uh, played hockey. Um, uh, right now, I'm I'm married with two children. Uh, live in Great Falls. Uh, work at work at a law firm in Tysons. Um, and that's sort of a quick overview.
1: Okay. Thank you. Great. So tell us, David. Who, describe your parents religiously.
2: Sure, sure. Well, they're you know they're sort of they're interesting, but probably you know not not uh, terribly uncommon in the in sort of twentieth century. Um, they, my my father uh, was born in 1927. My mom 1936. So they sort of were formed in the 40s and 50s. You know, they were adults uh, after the World War II. Um, so they grew up. Uh, my dad grew up in the Episcopal tradition. Um, my mom uh, grew up in the um, Universalist uh, tradition uh, in her home in Middletown, New York. And as they became adults, um, my mom sort of adopted the Episcopal tradition of my dad. Um, and but you know they're good skeptics. I'll put it that way. They they uh, you know they took us as as we'll get into. They took us to church really in, uh, until. Second or third grade, you know, we would go regularly enough, but they wouldn't wouldn't call uh, what I would call you know devout. They weren't church people. Um, you know, I think they sort of eyed uh, the, the, the church part of religion a little skeptically. Um, but they I think they they close to God in their own way and clearly shaped clear in the tr- uh, Christian tradition. My, you know my, my father's still a big big fan of the, the sort of moral teachings of Jesus. Um, and, and so again, they both grew up exposed to church religion, but kind of gravitated away from it, um, while participating kind of on the surface in their adulthood. And then as they got to middle age, late middle age and their elderly years, they, they no longer participated. Um, I think, you know, again, good skeptics, they, they, they had, you know, what they would, would feel are, are good values, a good heart, definitely a lot of concern for people, uh, definitely admirers of, of Jesus, um, but not necessarily into all the doctrines and formulas, uh, uh, you know, and in, in, you know, participating formally in, in a church. Um, so kind of, you know, influenced by secular society, influenced by the secularization of public life that we saw, you know, in the 60s and 70s and 80s and sort of, to, sort of following that, um, those trends themselves.
1: Do you know if they... Uh as children were, were taken to church was was their family life a very religious life do you know
2: yeah yes it was for both of them they both uh, again my, my mom a universalist which is is a little different from mainline christianity um but she participate her family took her to church and then my dad had uh, episcopal uh, not only going to church uh, he went to episcopal schools uh, through high school um so you know heavily participating in the in the uh, you know Episcopal church and getting an episcopal education. And I was you know my my grandmother, who's one of the good, really important influences on on my spiritual life, uh, was a devout episcopalian.
1: Okay, thank you. so david, let's let's talk a little bit about the religion's influence on your early years, elementary school years. Uh, tell us uh, what elementary school or schools you attended. And then in that time frame, you know, um, in your life, not at school, but during those period, that period of elementary school, what were the, what do you remember the religious influences being on you?
2: Sure, sure. So um, I lived the first uh, six or seven years of my life in Arlington, Virginia, really through first grade, and then we moved up to New Hampshire for three years for second, third, and fourth grade, and then back down to Oakton. So those those first years, you know, through early uh, elementary school. Um, that was a period of time when, when my parents took me to church. I remember going to Sunday school. Uh, I was uh, baptized in the local Episcopal Church in, in Arlington, Virginia. So I, re- I remember the, kind of that routine. Um, that was part of, part of our family life. They definitely, you know, to, to their credit, exposed me to, to, to going to church, made me comfortable going into a church building, um, helped me, you know, get, get exposed to the patterns, um, you know, of a church service it got me into Sunday school. Um, so, you know, uh, so I was exposed to it. And, and you know, as a child, it's important, you know, it's important to your parents, you're being taken there, you know, people are nice. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's the, the music sounds pleasant, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good, you know, a good experience. Uh, you don't, you know, I, I remember not really understanding what was going on, you know, what are these, these creeds that we read, you know, what are the, 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 the the snippets from the Bible that, they, you know, they would read each service, uh, you know, I was six or seven, I could, you know, when I was in the service, then instead of Sunday school, you know, just sort of waiting for it to be over, probably a lot, a lot, like a lot of young kids, um, you know, getting coloring books with, with a picture of Moses, and, you know, this and that, and um, so, you know, probably the, the Christian education was, was, you know, that's a. It's hard to do Christian education, I think, for folks that age. So uh, you know, uh, there I was. <laughs> but but you know, I was I was exposed to it, and it set me up. You know, helped me for later in life, um, as I'm as I'm. You know, kind of matured and grew as a person, and sort of right. um, came to understand things.
1: Right. You know? Do you remember any anything any particular event at uh, any of your church meetings that stand out?
2: Again, from this you know
1: from this time period,
2: first, first second grade you know the easter egg hunt you know the christmas eve service you know uh, really the 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 decorations the the colors the robes you know this is all part of the episcopal liturgy
1: uh to, right. to, to,
2: to you know celebrate each season on the church calendar in its own unique way so certainly the big holidays and some of the the unique events and just being being part of something which which you know it's a valuable experience when you're young
1: right now, what about uh, any religious goings on at home during this time period of elementary school? What What do you remember there?
2: You know, um, sort of around the, the the major holidays. You know, so obviously we we would go on Sundays. So you know, we had right. that routine, and then obviously we had a always had any you know an Easter dinner, a Christmas dinner. You know, um, so so just sort of special days at home around the special days. You know in at church um and then you know clearly there's a morality there's a, a you know value system associated with you know christianity in the episcopal church that is, was sort of definitely influenced my parents you know sort of mm-hmm. do unto others as you'd have them do unto you the golden rule um you know the importance of, of charity the, the importance of, of of having empathy for those in need um uh, definitely influenced their, the way they looked at the world, the way they helped us see other people right. uh, definitely inf- influenced their politics and, and mm. a role they thought government should, should play and which they imparted on us as well. So in addition to some, you know, observing the holidays and kind of the rituals and, and, and patterns, definitely the, the the values, you know, emanated from, from Christian morality, Christian teaching uh, you know, even if they weren't, you know, reading, you know, the New Testament.
1: Right. So so there wasn't perhaps, uh, there wasn't Bible reading going on often or uh, f- prayers together, or was there talk of God, explicit talk of God? Yeah. What, what were, good what was question.
2: that like? That's a good question. So, not, you know, occasionally a, a nighttime prayer, uh, you know, my dad, would, I remember the Lord's Prayer uh, here and there um before going to bed uh the occasional blessing the, the blessings tended to be at thanksgiving at, at mm-hmm. christmas not not necessarily a nightly thing
0: okay um
2: no no real readings uh, from the bible or you know uh, you know just it just wasn't what they did it was right. more, more sharing ideas about how to react to things in the world um you know uh, definitely you know all all people you know, respecting all people. Um, this was in the seventies. So just to, you know, right. I was born in 1969. So we're really talking in the seventies, which was, you know, the, the, the civil rights movement obviously made a lot of reforms in the sixties and those were starting to take hold and, you, you know, to grow. And so definitely right, the emphasizing racial equality was right. an important value, which stemmed from their understanding of Christian values. Okay. Um, but, but no, not, not a lot of, uh, By Bible reading per se.
1: Okay, great. Well, that paints us a great picture for the seventies for you there religiously. Let's move into the eighties then, middle school and high school. What do you remember uh, as far as religious influences on you during those very, very well? Perhaps elementary school is the most formative, even though we don't remember it as well. But uh, these very formative middle and high school years, we can clump those together. What was going on religiously for you?
2: Yeah, sure. Well. You know, I um, I started playing hockey when I was uh, s- second grade, you know, uh, seven or eight, whatever age you are at, at that point. And hockey practices are on the weekend and they're on Saturday morning and Sunday morning. And so that began to take uh, a priority in our family life over church. And so I would we kind of went to church less. We went to hockey practice more. Um, again, you know, my parents aren't one big, big church people, but. Um, and, right. and so you know in a, in a sense the, the the direct influence of the church you know waned a little bit and um, and then you know it, in the 70s and 80s um, you know what you what you saw on television you know with, with church you know a lot of the televangelists the um, news stories about about you know sort of the evangelicals and being kind of noisy and judgy you um, you know i was not getting a lot of experience a lot of education about god and the bible from church because i wasn't going and so you kind of get a repackaged uh very confined uh, version of god that mm-hmm. sort of noisier christians are getting attention in media
1: mm-hmm.
2: so I, I i sort of began to think that you know christianity was sort of teaching a very this what felt to be a very unrealistic version vision of god you know a, a, a god who who you know is up there pulling direct strings every day, um, you know, sort of a you know like a like a puppeteer. Um, definitely, you know, you get the fundamentalist version. Again, it draws attention because it's sort of extreme. Um, and 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 you know, the time when I was being taught evolution, and you know, and so it was. I sort of developed a, 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 a criticism of a critique of of Christianity based on. The information I'm getting from really popular culture,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, from, from media, which is sort of you know what I've come to now know is in a very incomplete view, a very incomplete theology, but this that's what the information I had at the time. And it kind of emboldened me to be a, a skeptic and to really reject reject the you know the note that notion of God. And so I was sort of would sort of call myself an atheist because this this sort of very confined, simplistic vision of God um just just seems so unrealistic that if that's what you have to believe in to believe in God well that's not what I'm going to believe in the world mm-hmm. is much more complex there's there's so many you know uh, all of the you know physics and chemistry and biology all the chemical reactions all the life forms you know just seem much more complex than could be confined or controlled or regulated by this sort of mm-hmm. mastermind that, that that you know was sort of being presented so mm-hmm. So I, I, I sort of began, I was call myself an atheist in in high school. Um,
1: so this and, happened in high school, David? Yeah, or sort of middle, school? middle
2: school. Middle school years into high school years. Yeah. Okay. So, so um, again, you know, a result of sort of not participating in a faith community, um, getting really misinformation, you know, stunted information from noisy Christians that drew attention, um, and then. You know, living in a culture of skepticism. I mean, I, was, I think American culture, we're, we're all skeptics. There's a little rebellious streak uh, that sometimes gets, gets translated into ideas like this. But, but you know, um, I, I, I had a, a good friend in, in, in high school um, who happened to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but he didn't wear anything on his sleeve. Uh, he was a good friend first and and you know he tolerated uh, me very well uh we had you know a lot of deep discussions a lot of questioning discussions and you know he sort of listened and let me be at the same time explaining his experience with faith um and you know i would take my best shots i would try to debunk things that he were meaningful to him and i couldn't knock him off his pedestal (laughs) you know um and this went on for years. This went on for many, many years. Um, and you know, so he was uh, again took, a, took an interest in me that was sort of surprising. And I, and I, I sort of, you know, with, with my faith journey, it's it's been encountering really faithful people who who who, and he was the first uh, really honestly faithful person who was sort of deep inside it, um, you know, who 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 really had the spirit, who who had a you know. A peace and a calm and was able to be gentle and kind and was not threatened by someone who was basically telling him it's all wrong and and you know that you you sort of come into the presence of that and it it sort of sort of starts to at least it started to shake me it's like you know what is this this strength this inner strength that this person has and you know you it, it's sort of the inner strength is emanating from a faithful person and this was it just starts to to make you think well, what what's going on i didn't have the language or the vocabulary at the time um but it started to give me pause that maybe i was you know didn't have complete information maybe i didn't have a full understanding of what it meant to be religious you know maybe with the media been sort of presenting me with and sort of very plastic looking people you know waving their hands and um you know maybe that really wasn't what the experience was about and so because i encountered someone having a very different experience um and so um you know i i'm I'm always a searcher myself i i don't you know i'm always questioning and so you know that that experience and then you know And then he had an accident, and he died at a young age. He died when he was nineteen, and that experience—it sort of made, confronted me. You know, how do you make sense of this? (laughs) You know, had you know, um, suddenly he was gone, and um, you know, you know, so you you have you you have to make sense of it. And so I chose to make sense of it the way he would have made sense of it. And so I, I, you know, started to see a uh, put it in context of of a higher purpose of of things that he had accomplished when he was here, not just with our friendship, but in his life. Um, You know, basically that that event made my whole atheistic construct crumble, (laughs) you know, and and there was no comfort in my rejection of of this bigger of a bigger picture i didn't have a complete view of it and i I didn't at the time as i went through it but i knew i needed to trust what my friend matt had had inside him and so you know things soften your heart and i can't i didn't just suddenly convert i didn't you know uh, i didn't know enough but i realized that I had built something overly simplistic in my mind as well in, my, in, in that event. And I needed to trust my friend. I needed to trust this inner strength that I had experienced. And, and so, you know, you know, it was one way to honor my friend, but it also gave me real comfort. I mean, this isn't just, you know, I started to sense deep feelings. I started to sense, sense a source of strength, a source of perspective that would help me help others. And and so you know I, I think this this phase we sort of want to go through high you know high school and into college, you know his accident happened at the end of my first year in college, and so you know that shattered my old worldview, opened up kind of created a lot of confusion and chaos, but also this emanating sense of comfort that I was drawn towards, and you know set me on a journey you know that. Took, still took a long time um but it was it was it was in, so you know what was the influence of religion it was my friend's faith you know my friends who who was a also fa- a faithful participant in his religion encountering that really shaped me um right. at that time in my young adulthood
1: well, that's a poignant story uh david appreciate you sharing something so personal C- can i can i Ask what was going on in your home life religiously. I mean, I realize you were going to hockey, not church. There wasn't a lot of explicit, you know, God talk in your house. But during high school, middle school, you declare yourself an atheist. Um, what, What were the dynamics at home with your parents and with your siblings during this high school period?
2: Yeah, yeah, good good question. So you know at that time again, it was all about the hockey. So we basically we were C and E, classic C and E Christians, Christmas and Easter. We'd still go on Christmas and Easter. Um the 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 Episcopal Church that was near where we lived in Oakton was a little, you know, just not the right, uh it was a it was a little too warm, I guess. You know, it was a little the style did not fit my parents, let's just put it that way. Um yeah, they're more, more sort of thoughtful, more intellectual. So, mm. you know, look, they weren't great church people, you know, good skeptics. They we're busy with hockey. So we were sort of, you know, see any e Christians okay. definitely getting that the tradition's important, right? You know, there's, you know, the, you never reject the the moral code of how you treat people, you know, and and, and that people matter. Um, but there, you know, no, no uh, Bible reading and no, no, Christian education, no, no education about the Bible. Um, and, you know, my parents, parents, you know, good skeptics is, you know, right. challenge authority. Challenge, you know, they, they, I think they, in their lives, they've been, you know, as, as set, uh, institutions get challenged, you know, segregation got wiped away, um, you know, a lot of challenge, you know, the Watergate. You know, you go through all the ways that institutions were, you know, were underperforming and they're part of a generation that kind of sees that reform. So they're kind of wired and the church is part of that, you know, in, the, in their experience. So right. just not pushing church, um, you know, and then meanwhile, my sister was sort of she would lean, you know, leaning towards the evangelical. She, she's six years older. So she left the house when I was 12. So she's not really at home. But coming home, she's sort of growing in a more evangelical way mm-hmm. that you know we're just sort of all letting everybody be so okay you
1: know right okay, so. okay um before we move from high school did 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 you stating that you were an atheist have any effect on i mean what what did your parents say or did you, were you out with it or was it just sort of yeah um, okay.
2: well they just glad i was thinking for myself
1: okay fair <laughs> so, enough okay um,
2: no, no, nothing really wrong with that. Uh, it's good, good to challenge, uh, authority, challenge tradition, um, you know, uh, and think for yourself and, you know, they had uh, exposed me to tr- the church when I was younger. Uh, we played hockey. They kind of left that to me to figure out.
1: Okay. All right. So let's move. Uh, well, you, you mentioned a little bit going into college, uh, and you said you went to UVA undergrad, then to law school. Tell us about, and this was uh, your, your friend Matt died at the end of your first year of college. You say it sort of broke everything down for you religiously. Your atheism sort of crumbled. Tell us about religious influences now moving through college and uh, through law school. What was going on? Sure. For you.
2: So after, after college, I moved up to, to New York City. Um, I lived on the west side of Manhattan. I was a paralegal in a law firm up there, um, and it was a—it uh, was sort of you know living on my own, and it was a very tough place to work. Um, you know, I got a, a liberal arts education at at University of Virginia. You know, college is a great time. You know, everyone's concerned about you know it's the whole place environment is set up for your personal growth and development. Well, working in a law firm as a paralegal is not. Uh, <laughs> and uh you know it is it is long hours uh I was valued based on the number of hours I would bill um and that was more than i thought uh you know it's it's the commercial world it's it's the economy it's it's our you know labor system and i was uh, a low low uh, position on the totem pole um and you know you try to make the best of it, but it's at some level you know um it's the kind of work in the in the in the culture of, of a New York City big city big law firm. Um, it can be feel a little degrading and demeaning because um, there's not a lot of value on your humanity and your personhood. And you know, and so I, you know, it was tough. Um, and so I really hit that hitting that that sort of value that environment with those hardwired values. And, you know, it was kind of like you know, feeling cold water. Um, and, you know, I wasn't the only one feeling that way. We were sort of all the paralegals were right out of college and we're sort of realizing, you know, uh, oh, is this how our, you know, our real world really is? Um, well, there was an Episcopal church right next to my apartment building um, on the on the west side. And, yeah, I, I hadn't been to church in many years, but it was literally right next door. And so I just I was about a year after living there, uh, you know, just feeling worn out, just feeling kind of down, and I just kind of went in there. It was, it was nice music. They, it, was, it was the Episcopal Church that had some incense, you know. Um, and I just sat through the service, um, you know, with the, the prayers, um, you know, the Bible readings, the, uh, you know, the homily. Um, and I, I just felt refreshed in a way I did not expect. I, I did not, I, you know, some buzzwords would sort of, you know, stay with you. I felt renewed and refreshed and comforted and human. Um, and so I would go back, you know, I went back the next weekend, you know, and you sort of get beat up in this environment and, you know, ground down, you're working nine to 11. I mean, they really work the paralegals hard in in New York City, where I at that time, at least in the early 90s. Um, and then I would have the, you know, this Sunday experience and walk in Central Park to think about what I had experienced, and it was renewing and refreshing in a, in a inner way in my inner being. Um, that all I can say is I felt it, and it's genuine and it's real, and I, and I'm drawn to it. And the church invited, you know, invited me in. I could sit in a pew. I, I, they say, you know, the, the priest would would, you know, greet me as I left, and with no pressure. Um, it was a church that really wanted just was providing a framework to help me feel closer to God. Uh, nothing pushy, nothing judgmental, no moral code, just helping me experience closeness to God and, and, and ultimately God's love and Jesus's love. And it really, again, you know, I was, I'm, this is a slow process, but, you know, sort of my, my the softening of my heart, my openness to something different after my friend passed and then getting beat up by the way world as kind of a low level person in New York City and finding this comfort and finding this church that just didn't get just with most stumbling blocks, just come in and experience and feel, you know, and, and um, it helped. So it builds trust and confidence. It, it felt genuine. It didn't feel artificial. And again, you're starting to learn that's how God is. You know, that's that's, you know. Uh, this is what they're, they're sharing is a broader view, uh, you know, a a really complex God, uh, you know? um, And so, so that, that through I lived in in New York until I was 24. So the two years after, after college. And I, I really love, love that church and love that experience. And so that gave me a a little uh, more momentum. Um,
1: David, can I interrupt real quick? Yes. Do you remember the day you decided to go for the first time after many years is that imprinted on your mind was it hard did you find your or did you just feel that i gotta go there what was do you remember this really well
2: you know uh, yeah i do it was it was like uh it was february it was a, you know it was the late winter um i'd moved there in june the previous year and so um you know uh, i remember the time of year and you know new york is great uh for for learning for i mean you know when i had free time i'd go to museums i mean the the, the the cultural education I got I saw my first opera and ballet and you know some plays the art films and so um, I yeah I would walk up and down the street in New York all the time see this little building and I I said you know let's just go in and sit there it was it was more of almost like let's go in like it's a museum exhibit you know nice. that I was you know because art art gave me comfort art watching looking at painting it still does uh, brush strokes and the textures of the painting gives me comfort. And I just, you know, uh, the door was open and I just, uh, and I just said, let's go in and just experience this. okay um, And so, you know, definitely feeling a little worn out, looking for that kind of lift, right. You know, and and then going in and experiencing this, this ancient tradition, you know. Um, okay. Uh, good experience.
1: And, and another question uh, about, something that happened in high school, I'm wondering, you know, you said that you would ask, you the atheist would ask your good friend, your religious friend, Matt, you know, questions, you know, you would try to um, convince him of his error, right? You were you, you two, it seems, were on, in some really good uh, religious and intellectual discussions. At when you started going back, was any of that still in your mind, those sorts of I'm an atheist, here are my beliefs, um, I had battled with a good friend. Uh, neither of us, you know, I was unable to persuade him. He was unable to persuade me. That seemed like a quite mature discussion, very mature discussions you had as a high schooler with this, Matt. Did, that, did those play over in your mind um, at this time as you were now investigating God again? Yeah.
2: yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, I think what I learned about my friendship with, with Matt is, you know, a real you know mutuality we had a really a, a mutual respect and you know a, a, and that, that that can that can come above everything you know differences of opinion if you just care what the other person thinks and are interested in what they think you don't need it to be the same as yours but you just genuinely like them you know and and they're you know they're, they're fun. we just enjoyed each other's company. You know, we were told a lot of jokes. We did a lot more than talk about religion. You know, we did skits in English class. So what I, what I learned was friendship and, and a bond and a vibe that sort of transcends opinions. Um, so I'm always carrying that with me. I'm always carrying that, that forward. Um, I also, look, i learned, I didn't, I don't have all the answers, you know, and I, and I, you know, I'll, I'll never really probably think I do. I have the answers today, but at that time, I knew I did not have the answers, and so okay. I'm more trying to articulate things. I'm trying to look at experiences, at feelings, at you know what makes me feel whole, what makes me feel full, what doesn't, what makes me feel cheap, what makes me feel used. You know, and this right. in New York City, in the '90s, working in this big you know commercial law firm. Um, and you you look, you're seeing contrast. There's so much contrast in New York City and including in in what moves you uh, inside. Right. And so carrying that experience of friendship, understanding I don't know everything, and then being open. Um,
1: Okay, okay. Uh, You were just getting to leaving New York City and tell us now the next phase of your life and how religion was at play, was in play. Yeah, yeah. or religious thoughts and
2: so I went to law school sort of in spite of this experience I had I figured it must get better it has it has I like what I do today very much um and uh and I treat treat people well so you know it's the one thing I've learned I always remember being a paralegal so <laughs> and, and the people who you know, I make sure people who work with me don't have a similar experience but um so you know uh, i I went to law school again the the local church you know I just didn't quite have the right feel and vibe um and you know you just don't feel comfortable I didn't feel comfortable there so i I actually did not go to church for about four or five years um mm. and uh, but i'm I'm starting to you know i think during law school i i yeah during law school, I read the bible once uh, the New testament once through, you know, not really knowing what I'm reading. But phrases start to stick out. You start to have a sense for what, what Jesus was up to.
1: And why did you do that? Had you done that before? And why did you? I had not. No, okay.
2: That was the first time I picked up the Bible and I you know, opened up the book of Matthew and just read it. And you know,
1: what was the motivation? Was it what happened in New York?
2: Just, yeah, gradually. I'm curious. I'm okay. curious. And, and probably, you know, definitely missed uh, you know, my church experience. And, and I'm a fan of Jesus at that point. And, and so, wanted to get it from the horse's mouth, read the source. And and you know, the Book of Matthew is the first one in the New Testament, and and it it speaks. It you start to you know, Jesus was very countercultural. You know, he was a lot of the behavior I saw. This this has helped me in my journey. A lot of what I saw Christians acting in the eighties, you know, is not how Jesus was acting, and not how Jesus. And in many ways, the religious establishment, he was. Re- reacting to, criticizing, trying to reform, trying to call back was very much like the religious establishment that I felt I'd encountered earlier in life. And so I began to say, I, I, get, I, I feel solidarity with, with what, what Jesus is trying to do. And the problems he faced are very much still the problems. And I began to understand there's a difference between practiced religion, um, religious organizations and Jesus and the faith and the story. Um, and these things don't always line up. Hopefully they do most of the time. So so reading the Bible one time through okay. in law school, I wrote a paper that, you know, this is where I, I sort of had a um, education in postmodernism, deconstructionism at UVA. Um, I, I, I applied that to, uh, you know, learning about things. I wrote a paper, it was a Foucaultian Analysis of Creditworthiness Evaluation. But and which was sort of applying the ideas of Michel Foucault to the the you know, basically loan applications as a way to organize people uh, and and marginalize the disobedient. That's what Foucault was really into. And and it was a you for a law review. So you know at the end you're supposed to have a big policy recommendation. And I didn't. I don't know how to fix this. <laughs> and <laughs> but I you know so my, the only conclusion I could reach is. It's cultural. It's you, you. can't regulate kindness. You can't regulate people valuing the humanity. And you know, the the article is about inner, inner city poverty and and how in New York how how places can be so wealthy and well off in just a few blocks away, decrepit. You know, uh, and, 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 and just impoverished. Um, and you know, it ultimately, it's the flow of investment capital, and so so I concluded that article. This is ties in. Um, basically, you know, the, the 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 quote from from one Corinthians about love is patient, love is kind, and you know, basically, there's a cultural problem with capitalism, um, where pe- people people are reduced to numbers and income streams, and there's a real deprivation of humanity, and you can't regulate it. So, you know. Mm-hmm. You know this is drawing in the Bible to my own thinking about problems, problems of life uh, okay, in wow. adulthood. And then, um, you know, after law school, I moved to Richmond for two years. I, I um, got married, um, joined the Presbyterian Church. Uh, oh, uh, my wife, at the, uh, first wife, was Presbyterian, and there's good, more good, good Christians in that family. Um, her sister and brother, were in particular, were very faithful people. in in an authentic way, you know, and and encountering faithful people has really helped me. And and they're not necessarily teaching me chapter and verse. It's it's a confidence they have, a peacefulness they have, an application of what they're learning and how they're treating others, treating me. And so, and then I, you know, every other year during this time into my thirties, I'm sort of picking up the Bible every other year, reading it again, um, the new Testament, the the life of Jesus, especially, and, you know, you're just seeing themes. The trust is building, right? The trust trust is building the confidence. You you just feel more of an alignment. And, um, and, and, you know, and, and and we were going to church at that time. Um, but a lot of my exploration really is personal, you know, it's, it's my own path. And, and then, you know, you sort of get, I was in my late 30s, and I just sort of remember the, the feeling, the night, it was, I was reading, I, I can't remember which psalm, it was, it was in the 50s or 60s, but it, was, it just absolutely resonated, the experience that the psalmist was talking about and what was going on inside of them, you know, you're just like, yeah, this is how God helps you, this is how God touches you, and, you know, it was almost a physical sensation. And I just, you know, if I were to look at the moment where I really just felt I knew where I had to put my heart, it was kind of my late thirties, you know, we're talking a long process before I'm like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Mm. And I, you know, I don't know how I fit into all these denominations, you know, I've been a Presbyterian, I was an Episcopalian, i you know, known people in other faiths, I like and respect, I like things in the Catholic tradition that I read about, but, but I know I'm a Christian, I'm a, f- a follower, and, and I... Uh, my only good days are the days where I'm sort of trying to align myself with the way Jesus taught. And, and Mm. so that brings, you know, maybe that's a good pivot point here because I've covered a lot of ground and it's sort of my path to where I become a little more committed, a little more serious
1: about this. Right. So the late thirties, you as you well describe, somewhat independent uh, of denominational uh, adherence etc but you you feel like at this point you're a Christian you were a fan of Jesus before you you were an atheist you were you were a young episcopalian you were an atheist you became uh, your atheism crumbled uh you became a fan of Jesus late 30s you are now a Christian is that fair is that yeah, a good that's fair that's concern. okay and and uh so what happened what happened, I guess, after that? Br- bring us from that point uh, to, to where you are today, and, and then I'll ask you a few ending questions just to, to, to bring us to a close. This has been wonderful.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, then I, I, I went through a tough time um, in, in my first marriage. Um, I'll sort of spare those details, but it was a very, very t- tough and, and a dark time, um, a very alo- a lonely time. Uh, I was probably went through some depression that I didn't get treated. And uh, at the same time, during this time of sort of a lot of aloneness, I sort of do more reading, doing more praying, um, you know, feeling strength from prayer. Um, The book of common prayer, the the morning prayer has a certain, it's almost like an exercise. I would start to memorize parts of the prayer, um, you know, and it was sort of helped me get through those days. That's all I get, you know, is in, in taking about 30 minutes uh, at this time of, of aloneness. And, you know, I, I, you know, kept on the saddle in, in my public life. Um, and so my prayer life really, really helped me. And then, and I sort of emerged from that, um, um, did not stay in my first marriage and then, as I kind of try to get my life back together, I did join an Episcopal church in, in Great Falls. That has sort of been a great, you know, orienting pillar, you know, great foundation of of my week. Of you know, again, the sort of the same. You now the world's tough world. You know, I think we all know that. We all read the papers. We all have to get it, get beaten up in our own experiences. And you know, I, I my my participation in church. Um, it really resets me. It replenishes me. It's, and then I do incorporate, you know, daily prayer reading. Um, I, I, I reading broadly, I, 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 sort of find nuggets in the different traditions. I, I've, you know, Calvinism, I've, I, you know, Ligonier Ministries has been a great, great resource for many things. Uh, they put out a good daily podcast. Um, you know, uh, Catholicism, uh, Saint uh, the Franciscans, um, Center for Action and Contemplation has been a great resource. Of, you know, um, you know, uh, other just sort of across the spectrum. Um, uh, and, and so I've learned to just you know read broadly, read widely with, with a soft heart. You know, that's the, the Christianity sort of fractured after after the the state. Got out of the church business, and suddenly the question of authority was left to, you know, if you can gather a church, you're you've got authority, and you see, you know, there's dozens and dozens, and the truth must be somewhere (laughs) in between us, in between us. So I I just stay, stay open to that, Um, and it's just, uh, you know, again, it's uh, a real source of centering. You know, my center is, is God, and in the bigger picture before me and after me, you know, as it was in the beginning is now and and shall be, ever shall be. And I try to be part of that perspective and try not to, to try to let things go a little bit more, um, try not to clutch to, to what's temporary and try to serve, you know, and these are all hard things to do because, because the, the culture um, the economy we're in doesn't necessarily reward that or incentivize some of this. Um, but you know, try to see things as a as an abundance model, not a scarcity model. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and try to try to you know just keep it real. You know, live a life of fullness. And now I, I, I'm married again. I have two children. Uh, really, those relationships fill me, and it's more about it's giving. By giving, you receive. There's there's an old saying: is by giving that you receive. And and practicing that, these are all things sent to me keep keep me on the level. Um, and you know I'm still still walking my faith journey.
1: Wonderful, well, well said, uh, David. Two last questions. Uh, one, now that you have children, um, how how do you see your role as an influencer religiously for them? What, what does that look like? What do you want it to I think they're very young, so yeah, um,
2: yeah, they're three and five right now. It's a great question, and it's one I, I still wrestle with because you know. I see. You know, boy, they've they've developed and grown a lot, but they still have so much. You know, just just in terms of human development, consciousness. You know, the ability to grasp what's going on. You know, so I'm gentle and patient. Um, I sort of, you know, I remember my experience. So, right now, they're three and five. You know, obviously, the past year, our, our church has we've just been zooming, which. Uh, so I'm I'm not involving them in that. I don't think that's you know terribly meaningful for them but before the pandemic uh take them just take them with me you know have it be family time have them get used to the patterns have them get you know going into a church building you know seeing you know there's there's a there's a procession you know there's 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 a stage you know to have them just get you know there's there's decorations. There's there's flowers on the altar. I, I'm trying to just get them to relate to a, a special experience because I think that's what they can grasp at this point. Um, you know, I, I, I say prayers with them at night. So they, they know that that's important to, to me and uh, hopefully will be important to them someday. But yeah, we, we work through some prayers before we go to sleep. Um, and, you know, uh, I'll be looking for opportunities at the right time. But I know that, you know, I'm a little wary of Sort of pushing a, a confined, as overly simplistic view of God, because that ended up being a stumbling block for me when it was easily debunked or easily not real. Um, so I'm a little wary about the coloring book versions of of the Bible stories and all that. Um, but I'll be looking for those opportunities, and you know what I can offer them is my experience and my patience. And you know, just they, I was, if they know it's important to me. Maybe it will be important to them someday. Um, right. And so i provide a good environment.
1: I hope. Okay, I actually have one more question uh, based on something you said earlier, and then then their final wrap up question. Do you remember one or two um, specific discussions you had with Matt on religious matters? What you said and what he said, and, and maybe it's too far gone. It, it's been a long time. Do you remember? Yes, I, I can
2: remember. You know, basically just. The, you know i remember a discussion about i can't remember what freak accident it had happened to to somebody you know in the news but you know like a lightning strike or just those things just out of the blue and you know and just like how can you know my position at the times it's random you know there's no one controlling that you know right. <laughs> again you know i'm boxing with a with a with a version of god with it as if god you know was the one throwing the lightning at some you know but um, you know, it's random. There's no one in control. This is just a bunch of chemical reactions unfolding and, you know, and just Matt smiling, this, this sort of gentle patient smile and, and just say, well, you know, I have faith, you know, I, I have fa- faith that, that, you know, things happen for a, a reason. And, and, you know, you believe in sort of eternal you know, pe- people's lifetimes aren't just the time that they're here. You know, they served a purpose while they were here, but that's not, you know, they, they extend beyond that. That's, you know, he, he definitely felt, you know, big believer, you know, in an afterlife, in a community, in a, in a place where people go. And so even though it was terrible that somebody had gotten struck by lightning and, and I see that's, you know, how, you know, how could anyone be in control of this terrible accident? You know, he, he just resisted in a patient way in a confident way, and, and, you know, where he saw something bigger, and it's almost, yeah, I can't say I was convinced at that time, but I was bewildered by his confidence, mm. and it was a source of strength that, you know, I, I didn't have, and I was surprised to encounter. And, and so that combination of just an, you know, an inner confidence, but also his patience with me, his lack of frustration, you know, his lack of judgment—I've seen very blasphemous things it kind of gave me a vibe of what a faithful person has. And it made me curious and open Mm. to that. So I hope hope that's helpful.
1: That is. Did he ever uh, try to uh, invite you to his church? Was he inviting you to do this or do that? Or was he just listening and responding? I did.
2: I went to, I would, I played basketball at his church a few times. He invited me to, his church had a basketball, indoor basketball court. And then I, I went to church. Uh, well, I think just once with him, but I went once. Um, never, never pushy, you know. Because yeah. I think we went and did something after. You know, it was just like let's spend, you know, Sunday together and, and you know, hang out and do stuff. Why don't we start the day here? And I, you know, so right. um, so you know, just, just gently. And these were things. This was his life, right? You know, he played basketball. And this is where he played it. So and right. this is where he did Sunday morning. So, you know. I never felt an agenda for Matt. So that was probably the secret to him, you know, his success.
1: Okay. So I'm going to ask you here in the last minute or two, to to step outside your lived experience and, and, and and try to um, locate yourself if you can, uh, your journey and yourself now in the American religious landscape. So America, um, has a particular religious history. They have um, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, they have this story of the idea of religious freedom as a governing principle, that there's a lot of religion wrapped into the country in many ways. Uh, we're very unique as a, as a developed country religiously, as you know. Um, here, 2021, here you are. Where do you see yourself in the bigger American religious landscape? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it sure does. Look, I'm I'm very much a product of my times. Um, I, you know, from what I understand, just just uh, I, I I definitely easily could have ended up a spiritual but not religious person. Uh, was, that was definitely the path. Um, you know, I think in the you know the mid 20th century was a tough time in this country um, with with uh, a lot of racial injustice, um, uh, economic injustice. Uh, you know. Uh, Labor uh, problems, um, obviously the wars, and you know the the churches at that time probably didn't respond, uh, you know, in a way that uh, is was really connected with a lot of people. And of course, there were probably a lot of people who used to go to church, you know, before World War II, you know, because that was there was a big social part of going to church. So you know, there was a thing where you know people fell away from church, and it could could be the churches at the time. It could be just these are people who were. Not really, you know, inclined to go to church, and now they didn't, you know, they're. It was more socially acceptable not to, and that's certainly where my parents fell in, and so I, you know, grew up in, in that household, and and sort of find my find my way back in an authentic way, and and that's what I think is you know amazing about our environment. Um, I'm a big believer in civil society, in, in a in a secular government, in a government that doesn't play favorites. It gives a lot of room and space for different religions not just christianity to operate to to gather people to to, to empower people to motivate people um you know and and the, the ones that are most authentic will draw people in a, in a very productive way in a very you know, healthful way um and so i'm i'm it's a really unique time in history because it was this is still a, a pretty new experiment you know when you really look back at how at least in the West, religion was really oriented with the king, you know, with the monarchy and had the power of the state, had the, had the power of the military behind it. And, you know, you look at the sort of the, the colonization of, of, of the Western hemisphere and the, the church and the and the, the navies and armies, uh, you know, going forth and said, you know, um, and suddenly now religion doesn't have that, doesn't have that crutch. And, and, and now religion is flourishing. And and sort of, you know, almost a, this is where I could bring my postmodernist, you know, that I sort of, you know, religion is has to be able to have, have a, an authentic experience, you know, really connect with the way people are wired, relationally, and I said so we live in a time now of confusion, you know, there's no central authority, um, people have to choose this, and you know the organizations, the institutions have to earn trust. They have to be out, they have to connect meaningfully with people, they have to meet their needs. People don't have to, you know, there's no social status to be gained anymore. If anything, it's countercultural to go to church. So I actually think that we're poised for a really rich, effective, you know, religions across whether it's Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity in this country. And we and we should all you know, accept each other. If people are, are you know being connected to God, brought closer to God, it's good because it makes people better citizens. If people are serving something greater than themselves, grounded in love, grounded in 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 being fair to other people, which is sort of a common ethic of all religions. But but it's not a, a common ethic of our economy. You know, this is where religions, you know, even a diversity of traditions and di- different prophets and you know but they teach a value system that, that helps people stay human and recognize the humanity of others It helps sort of counter capitalism, which I'm also a fan of. But capitalism needs to be held in balance of not just reducing people to, to being productive beings that you discard when they're no longer productive. So again, this is a, there's been a lot of, of change and transition. I think it's gonna stay this way. It'll be a little confusing to the outsider but to people who participate, it's a real great opportunity to be effective, to help give meaning to people's lives and to make America a better place.
1: Okay. David, you have the last word, as you should. Thank you so much for being with us today on uh, on this new part of our Religion in the American Experience podcast series. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: The podcast series, Religion in the American Experience, is a project of the National Museum of American Religion. Episodes are released every Monday on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Register for notifications on our website, www.storyofamericanreligion.org, under the sign-up tab.